We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Hi and welcome to Wine with Megan Mel. We're here to help beginners navigate the world of wine. I'm Mel, competent user of over 200 words of wine. I'm joined by Meg Rutman, master of wine, who has probably a few more words to describe wine, I would guess, in the thousands. But not only this, but she has the license to make new ones. What's the latest, Meg? You've had like pinosity, centrosity or something? Citrosity. I've got a new one, sucrosity. <laughs> what does that so mean? So rather than say it's got this sort of fruit sweetness, it has sucrosity. Sucrosity. Pinosity is still my favourite. So everyone out there, you're welcome to use these. And if anyone tries to uh, tell you it's not a real word, you can quote a master of wine. That's right. I've made it up and it's real. (laughs) Maggie, been drinking anything interest lately? Maybe worth a new word? Um, I have got a new word attached to it too. Cheeky, cheeky. I had a Chablis Premier Cru the other night. So Premier Cru is from some of the best vineyards and it was from a vineyard called Les Vaillants. Um, And the word I would use to describe it is linear. So that's my new word for the day. Okay, so what does that actually mean? Straight line down your palate. So when you drink it, rather than filling out your palate like a sort of big, fat, old Riesling or something, it just goes straight down. It sort of is a straight linear line. A linear line. I like that. I'm adding that to my vocab. And I always put you on the spot and ask you for a fun fact. Got anything for me this week? Well, since I'm on this horrendous diet, I was <laughs> pleased, it was, I was happy to read the other day that wine is fat-free, gluten-free and cholesterol-free. So I don't know why I can't drink it. No, no, that sounds like something worth drinking to me. Yeah, just ignore your doctor's advice. <laughs> drink in moderation, but enjoy. It's fat-free. Oh, God forbid anyone ever comes to this podcast for health advice. <laughs> so, look, we're talking today about those little cheat ways that you can decide on what wine to buy when you have no idea what could be in the bottle. So you're in the store and you're picking up a million things. How do you know and who do you trust when you're trying to figure out what to actually buy? So do you use an app? Do you check for awards? So the funny thing is, when we started talking about this, I realized that Meg probably hasn't experienced a lot of this because, well, Meg, you've actually tasted every wine ever made and you, you pretty much know how everything's going to taste. I haven't tasted every wine, but I like cheap uh, wine shops like, or even online wine shops as bookshops. So I go in and I read the information and think, oh, that sounds interesting. Or you know, I've got mates in the game, so I take a lot of recommendations from them. Or I just go on price. Yeah. So look, it, that's pretty different to all of us. When we go into a wine store, we, we might know a thing or two. I definitely know something, but I often find myself getting out my phone and referring to an app to try and see if I can piece together what this thing is going to taste like. So we've brought someone else into the conversation to help us, who is um, definitely a lot more across this digital age and how we can use it to choose wine. Tori. Hello, everybody. (laughs) So Tori is a Gen Z. We know this because she has a middle part and doesn't wear skinny jeans or use the laughing cry emoji. Um, These are all things I recently found out are specific to millennials and Gen Z like to laugh at us because we do it. Um, But Tori, on a scale of novice of wine to master of wine, where do you think you sit? Okay, I just want to start by saying sometimes I do wear skinny jeans, (laughs) so... No, but um, on a scale of a master of wine to novice, I'd probably say I'm leaning closer to novice rather than master. 
um, I'd say I have some wine knowledge. However, I have a lot to learn still. Okay, so you're probably the perfect person to chat to us about this. That's probably the average person that's going to be listening to this podcast. So this being the case, when you're out there, are you using your Gen Z digital savviness to good use? Is the internet helping you find good wine? Yeah, so my preference will probably always be to ask somebody first that I know and trust or just track down someone, a knowledgeable staff member and harass them in store and ask them for (laughs) recommendations. But sometimes I am in a hurry and I want to try something new and no one's around for a chat, so I'll quickly jump online. And yeah, there's some really great tools out there to use in these sort of situations for sure. Okay, cool. Um, The first one I'd really like to talk about is Vivino. Tori, have you used Vivino before? Yeah, so I recently discovered Vivino and it's actually a really great tool. Um, It's mainly reviews written by consumers, so it's a bit more personal. Um, However, it still gives you a really good idea of the wine before you buy it. Yeah, and the thing I like about Vivino as well is that in store you just kind of point your camera at it and it scans the bottle and finds the bottle really easily, and most things are on there. Um, Meg, do you think Vivino is advice worth trusting? Um, I mean, it comes from customers. I've had a look at it because certainly in Europe it is very well regarded and a lot of people who are buying wine from us in Europe want us to be rated on Vivino. So it's the customer, it's got traction with the customer. It works on a five-point system, which again is a bit esoteric, but the thing that sort of cracks me up, I Vivino'd um, one of the wines we're tasting today and it came up as being in the top 4% of all world wines in the world. Um, so it gives you not only a point rating and a review from various customers, but it tells you where it sits in terms of value and pointage. But it was only 8% in the top Barossan wine, so I thought that was a bit strange. And it certainly wouldn't be in the top 4% of all the wines in the world. And do you think that other consumers are worth trusting? Like there's critics in the world, but can we look at what other just people like you and I are writing? Is that trustworthy advice? I think so. I think with, the thing is with customers doing it, um, the language is a lot more accessible. They don't have a vested interest. They're not necessarily trying to sell anything, so they're giving their honest opinion. And you may be able to find a reviewer on this site that you align with. I noticed that there are some people, there's one bloke, he's like number 20 reviewer on the whole site, and he's posted over 3,000 reviews. Wow. So that does worry me because that, theoretically could skew the score yeah that's true um but you know if you don't know anything about wine it it covers everything we bought a sake the other day from costco and that was on it wow so it's they've got over one billion wines listed and i think maybe the last point for me although i when i'm shopping i definitely look through i don't just look at the star review that that can be kind of good but i look through the actual tasting notes and see what people have said about it is that something you do tori yeah for sure and like something i really like about Vivino is we sort of mentioned it's quite user-friendly but they also categorize their reviews by so many different factors whether it be price point pairings varietal regions so you can really browse by you know i'm having burgers for dinner what should i drink with it which i think is really awesome Yeah, I think my one watch out with Vivino is it tells you the average price. And I think nine times out of 10, it seems to really differ from what I am seeing on the shelf. Have you both had that? 
Well, I have with it because what it does is it averages prices. So people that are deep discounting mm. can really influence the, the price of the wine and you will very rarely. In fact, all the, the four wines that I looked at, none of them I could find at the price they had listed. So, Yeah, so I guess it's a good tool, but just keep that in mind if you're looking at the price. So moving from Vivino... I always see these um, the little stickers with the awards and stuff on wines. Tori, have you ever used that to shop? The wine bling? <laughs> Is that what we're referring to? Um, look, I think, I think you definitely are attracted to it when you see a lot of wine bling on a bottle. You go, oh, that looks great. But when you actually have a look closer, you can see some of the awards, like wine shows that I've never really heard of personally. And I think it might be a tactic. Some people might be just trying to get some wine bling on their bottles. But I think for someone that's walking into a store and maybe doesn't have much wine knowledge, they see it, they sort of feel reassured that this has won a lot of prizes. So, yeah, of course, like I, I'm sure there's probably some statistic out there that shows yeah. that people are attracted to it and that's why they buy the wine. So, Meg, just because this metal ends up in the bottle, should we listen to these awards? Are they always choosing the best wines? We could do a whole podcast on wine shows, so I'll try and distill the information as short as possible. It depends on the show. The best ones are what we call the capital city shows, so Melbourne, Adelaide, um, Brisbane, the royal shows that are associated with those, the Royal Melbourne Show or the Royal Easter Show in Sydney. There are so many different shows, but fortunately in Australia we have um, a guideline now of how shows should be run and how wines should be tasted, so people follow those guidelines, but internationally that isn't the case. So you don't know who the judges are. They could be any Tom, Dick or Harry off the streets. I mean, we looked at one the other day for that rosé and honestly they looked like a bunch of gardeners or someone off that Rosemary and Thyme <laughs> show. You know, it was just very weird English people, um, some of whom I knew. But I hope they're not listening. <laughs> we, we, we don't know their credentials and also we don't know whether they, they are in the same realm of drinking as you are. You know, so... Bling, on, I personally hate it, um, but there are some wines that I love that do do the bling, but that definitely have form, as we would say. But, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily think it's the best wine in the bracket. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Maybe we'll move to another app. Um, this is something new on the market, and it's called Awesome. Now, um, is this something that you've looked into, Tori? Yeah, so awesome. I, I don't know as much about. I had a jump on them the other day and it looked really interesting. But, yeah, I personally haven't used it before. I mean, I think what they're going for more than anything is a real, real simplicity, helping people on the most basic level. Is that going to be helpful, Meg, to take one and make it as simple as it can possibly be? No, because <laughs> their rating system is their, they, they've borrowed it from someone who's made it up. And uh, the, the awesome and the people that invented it are the only people that I can find that are actually using it. It's called the IS10 system. So I went in to rate a wine and it came up as, is this wine good, exceptional, disappointing? They were my three choices based on aroma, palette and, and yeah, sight. And then... Uh, was it overall disappointing, good, exceptional? Very, very basic. The only I, I actually googled it. Well, I awesomed a wine, um, and it came up with one wine. And I was looking for New Zealand Chardonnay at the thirty dollar mark, and it came up with one wine. So not helpful 
at all. And it was in New Zealand dollars. So that's telling me it's probably in New Zealand, the one Chardonnay that they've got. I found this just actually counterproductive, this yeah. this this, this um, awesome, because of this rating system they use that no one in the world is using. So I couldn't get my head around it. And I think that's the thing with me. Normally, if people try to give it a, um, a star rating or a number or, you know, a really definitive objective, this is good or bad, that's when I don't really want to engage because my palate could be completely different. Um, and that's where actually just reading what people thought about it, I liked it because it's mineral, I liked it because it's acidic. I go, oh, well, that's the kind of style I like to drink. So maybe that's going to be suited to me. Definitely. And I, the, the, with Awesome is the, the one wine that I did look at and that I found was a Chardonnay from New Zealand um, was unrated. So it actually didn't give me any information whatsoever. So I think Vivino's been around long enough. They've built this database of over a billion wines. Awesome's got a long way to go and trying to pretend that their rating system is somehow the clean wine of rating systems... Um, <laughs> makes life a little bit difficult. If you don't get that reference, go and listen to our podcast about clean wine. <laughs> All right. So we've determined that these kind of newer apps um, that are trying to really simplify the process might not necessarily be the best thing to trust. But what about... Um, the most independent, like these names that you hear all the time thrown around as the bee's knees of wine in Australia. I mean, Tory people like Halliday, Bob Campbell, they're these big names and their job is to write about wine. Do you ever look into them? Look, I, they're trusted opinions. So if I read it, I would 110% trust it. But I think it comes down to situation for me. Nine times out of 10, if I'm just quickly buying wine, I want to decide if I want to buy it within two minutes. And often I don't have time to sit there in store and read these in-depth reviews, which are really beautifully written, but they're not as convenient for me in that moment when I'm yeah. trying to make a decision. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, these people, yeah, they've made it their, their entire life writing about wine. I generally will read something they say and take it for gospel. Is this right, Mac? No. <laughs> I've got two words for you. Unrecognised bias. Oh, okay. What do you mean? The problem that I have with a lot of these independent critics is they're not tasting the wine blind which for consumer apps like Vivino and Awesome, they're not. That's fine. What do you mean by blind? So that you don't know who made the wine. Um, you know what the grape variety is and you will know what the region is, but you don't know who's made it. So that bias has been taken away. In wine shows, we taste everything blind, so we're rating them based on the, what's in the glass. Whereas some critics, if you read Halliday, there's a number of people tasting the wines and they're the way they write reviews and the way they review are so different. So it really is a bit of a crapshoot who you get to how you get rated. Um, so I do struggle with that. And I also think that, you know, you, you've got to go out and buy the book. So they are in the business of writing reviews, but most importantly, they are in the business of selling publications. Um, or you can go onto the website, but you can't get all the reviews unless you've paid. So it is, um, it's the, they're gatekeepers to information. So they, they want to generate income from giving the information. Whereas for Vino, I mean, they draw an income from having connections to selling the wine, a license is paid to them. But it's much more egalitarian and it's written by you and me. Yeah. I mean, I would never write a review on one of these things, but 
<laughs> you might. Okay, Meg. <laughs> Only because, you know, as my dad always said, don't give your stuff away for free. Yeah, well, yeah, you are worth a lot more than... It's like I'd never wear a Coca-Cola T-shirt. I'm not advertising for free. <laughs> this, this, this billboard don't come cheap, you know. <laughs> Right. Well, look, we've established so far that probably out of everything that we've talked about, Vivino seems to be sort of the most spot on. Tori, is there anything else you've ever used? I have to add the Dan's app in. I was saying to you the, the Dan's other day, app. I love the Dan's app. It's, it's so convenient. And I think the reason I reach for it more often is because nine times out of 10, I'm in Dan's and I know they have the wine that's on the app. Yeah. And I know vice versa, if I'm looking at a bottle, that it will be on the app, which is like, and then the second tick is um, you know it's got a really good combination of both consumer and expert reviews you can search by price point there's articles on there if you feel like having a read Um, and yeah like but you can also you can search by occasion you can search by alcohol levels you can search by food pairings like just about anything so Yeah. yeah so something like the Dan's app is this going to have the same kind of bias Meg well yeah they're in the business of selling booze but as Tori said, they have customer reviews as well. So you can read what they've said in store, which is going to be glowing, of course, mm. but then you can read what the customers said and so that can support what Dan's have said. I love going into Dan's and reading the little handwritten reviews. I mean, I like I said, it's like going into a bookshop and the two wines that I bought yesterday for a tasting, I bought off of the handwritten reviews in my local Dan's and that's, that's awesome. really, really helpful. And... So when you look at the website and it has like um, normal consumer reviews and then it has actual critic reviews, who are these critics, Meg? Do you know much about the tasting panel? Can we trust their expert opinion? I know a few of the people that are on the tasting panel in at Dan Murphy's um, and it's also run by a master of wine, so he's very well recognised. Um, there are other ones like, I don't know if you know Wine Pilot, that's an online... Um, reviewing board and they've got a lot of MWs, people that I really rate. Is that worth us looking into? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, love, I use Wine Pilot. Angus Houston, who started it up, was an MW student and he's got a brilliant palette and he writes in a really accessible way. Um, he's got Andrew Pritzker, who's a Master of Wine, and he's got people like Nicole Bilson, who's a she's a sommelier, so she's in the trade. So she doesn't write all like MWs and all very serious. She writes like, this is a good buddy glass of wine, so enjoy it. Okay, so I guess in summary, Vivino, um, Dan's app, and what was this last one you just said, Meg, again? Wine Pilot. Wine Pilot. That's not an app, though, unfortunately. It's only oh, it's a website. on the website, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's worth noting. I'll put all of these in the description for the show so you have them down. But definitely, if there's anything you guys use out there, we'd love to hear it, um, and we'd love to look into it ourselves. But before we finish up, um, we always have a question of the week. And this week, I think, Tori, you had one from your friend. Yeah, so I had a friend reach out. Her name's Kate. And she said to me the other day that she knows the difference between a sweet or dry wine when she tastes it, and she understands what dry tastes like, but she doesn't understand what dry actually means. Dry means no sugar. So it means that the remaining sugar in the wine is less than 7 grams per litre. Now, threshold for sugar is about 5 grams, so you'd be able to feel it like some New Zealand Sauvignons, and you'll feel it just at the front of your tongue, but the wine will finish clean. So dry is just our way of saying that there's no more fermentable sugars left in the wine. I don't know why we use it. 
So how come, Meg, I know you're working here in the salad door. Often um, I will give people a taste of our, I don't know, a different, some sort of wine that we have that is definitely um, objectively a dry wine. There's no sugar. How come people often think it's a sweet wine? There's a thing called sweet spot in wine, which is where the alcohol and the fruit um, concentration is so balanced that it gives a false perception of sweetness. It's like when people say, oh, this wine smells sweet. Well, you can't smell sugar. It's not volatile. You can only taste it. And you tend to taste it on the front of your tongue first. It's what we call the attack. So but with this sweet spot, it's just a balance. And some of the bigger companies, I think I've mentioned this before, are chasing that sweet spot in wine. So you can even see it in red wines. But 99.999% of red wines are dry and most white wines are dry as well. Okay, well, we hope you've learned something. Once again, you can find us on Instagram at Mel. Thank you for joining us this week, Tori. No worries, guys. It was really fun. <laughs> See you later. Have a good week and we hope you enjoy your next glass of wine. Drink well. Bye.